streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Tani Levitt, coming to you for the fourth week in a row, a new location. Today, I am sitting in my car at my parents' driveway in Maryland, and we have a special episode for you because if there's one thing you can rely on, it's that no matter where we are, the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show has content for you. Our national recruiting director, Evan Daniels, is on a hot streak without compare. Today, we're going to bring you a conversation he had with another ACC legend. Last week, he spoke with Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski from Duke University, Hall of Fame basketball coach. And this week, we get another ACC legend, Roy Williams from University of North Carolina. So we're going to bring you Evan's conversation with Roy Williams. And then I'm going to turn it over to the Inside Carolina podcast, who's going to break it down from an insider perspective so that you can get even more in-depth understanding of what it is Roy was talking about and what Evan was kind of hinting at. So without further ado, here's Evan Daniels with UNC basketball coach Roy Williams. I guess to start, um, w- within hours of your season coming it, coming to an end, the, uh, the entire sports world uh, was grounded to a halt. Have you had time to, to process the season's results or have you been focused on family and, and other matters? Well, I've been focused on the more serious matters. There's no question. But to me, my season is very serious. So uh, I just wish it had all happened about 18 hours earlier so we wouldn't have played the Syracuse game so we wouldn't have that <laughs> bad taste in my mouth kind of thing because uh, I guess we had won three or four or four, four or five, I guess, before that. But we played so poorly, it was it was a disaster. And that's the, the thought process that I do have. But, no, I think there's – you know, I still want to do my job. I still want to recruit. I still want to make sure that my players are taken care of. But and when I say players are taken care of, it's not just academically, but their health. And I mean, what they're doing and trying to get them to understand they're not uh, bulletproof. Right. Uh, they're, they are vulnerable. And, you know, we're seeing the fastest rise in the percentage line of the younger people with this stuff, not just the, uh, the older individuals. And uh, so uh, more uh, more of my time is spent reading and watching and trying to see what's going on with what's going on in our country than it is about basketball. And, you know, they've had some great games on replay, and I haven't <laughs> watched one yet. Uh, I didn't. I wouldn't have watched the 16 championship game, but I would have watched 82. And I would have watched <laughs> 05, and I would have watched uh, 17. But uh, I haven't watched any of those either. I've watched uh, less, uh, well, almost no sports center. I'm strictly in the the news stations, and if it's late at night, I might try to find a movie. Or, but I'm no Netflix Netflix guy or anything that's on regular TV. That's a movie for me. Yeah, it's it's been tough to see sports on TV and and not have an NCAA tournament or uh, anything like that. And it, you mentioned uh, worried about the health of your players. And I think now there's a wide range of technology that 
it's proven beneficial for athletic programs around the country where you can connect with coaches and players. Um, is your staff currently doing that with any like the video communications like Zoom to interact with your players uh, about what they've got going on and, and workouts and stuff like that? Yeah, Sunday night, in fact, uh, I was back in the office uh, with my entire staff. We were spaced pretty properly, and we were on Zoom, which that's all I can take because that's all I know. But I was <laughs> able to see 18 different players up on the screen and our trainer and our uh, strength conditioning coach. And like I say, my staff was in the office. And so we talked to them about what was going to start happening on Monday. Uh, with uh, the Zoom process for our uh, guys in their classes. And so I was still in Chapel Hill on Monday while uh, the first wave of that was going on. And uh, uh, we've gotten reports from uh, players daily yesterday and today about what went on. And so we're trying to keep tabs on them too because you don't want to take it lightly because that grade you make this semester is just the, counts the same as you made a grade you made last semester when that professor was in front of you personally in your classroom. For sure. How have you or have you been able to do exit interviews with your players to kind of review the season and map out your off-season goals for them? Well, no, I have not. Now, saying that is the answer to your question, but <laughs> We lose on uh, Wednesday night. We come back on Thursday, and I met with uh, uh, eight guys, I think it was, on Friday before they all left. Uh, some of them, you know, Brandon Robinson, for example, did. Came back to Chapel Hill, picked up stuff, and drove, started driving to Georgia with his parents Thursday morning. And so some things were differently, but I met, I think I met with nine of them individually before everybody took off. And then, I guess on Zoom two different times uh, that we've done that with them, uh, and then text messages and a few other things. But uh, at that time, you know, we thought uh, when our guys left was that we're going to extend spring break for a week, and then we'll ask everybody to uh, either come back to school or from your home do the online Zoom technology. And again, I don't know what that is, but uh, <laughs> I can text and I can use a phone, but I don't do anything else. I, I don't have email or anything. But at that time, we thought the guys were going to come back and we were encouraging our student athletes to come back. Right. Because we have the weight room, we have our trainer, we have some guys who were, uh, you know, weren't able to play because of their injuries. So we thought we could monitor everything so much better. And then all of a sudden, before that week even got there, then the university changed and said, no, we're closing down completely and we don't want anybody back. They don't even want to, uh, they don't want me there. They want the buildings to be closed and uh, uh, everything. So usually what I do a couple of weeks before, uh, spring semester exams is when I bring them in and talk to them and we pick three things that they're going to work on over the off season and uh, but uh, we haven't been able to do that yet and I don't know what our plan is going to be because right now the biggest emphasis and, and I'm being very sincere the biggest uh -huh. emphasis is the academic side because this is completely new to them yep. and then the other emphasis is what are you doing yourself to stay away from people and, and these kind of things I don't think uh, I don't think I've had a basketball discussion 
uh, at all about what to work on or what to do or, you know, Garrison, I, he's telling me what he was doing in, in, the, in the workout, but I think he's the only one. But it's all of my conversations have been about the academic side and are you taking care of yourself? Because right. I think uh, that's more important than are you working on your left-hand dribble. Right. How has the suspension of the NBA season affected your process in terms of acquiring draft information for interested players that you have? Well, it's been almost non-existent, but that's it's not uh, abnormal because usually all the stuff really starts after the NCAA tournament. There's plenty of time in there. Everybody acts like that. You know, if the last game you lose, you should be on with somebody on the phone with somebody at midnight. Right. It really ramps up after the NCAA tournament was over with, and. You know, when you're going to the Final Four, you see some of the scouts and the coaches there, and, and you have some uh, conversations, but the uh, undergraduate el- eligibility evaluation form, we've always done that, you know, after we finish playing, and uh, um, I'm still prepared, and we're ready and have that ready in case there's something we want to do with that, and, and we know there are a couple of cases we're thinking strongly about doing, but Right now, I've only had one conversation with an NBA person about one of our players. And this is about the time it would be starting, as I say, because right. a week or so before the Final Four is when it really starts ramping up, but even more so after the Final Four. Are, are you preparing, anticipating that, that you're going to have some guys leave? Uh, yes. You know, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that uh, Cole will be leaving and I think that uh, we but I do it every year I check uh, uh, last year we had uh, uh, Kobe uh, Nasir uh, Cam were on the first round uh, then uh, Luke and uh, Kenny played in the G League so we had five guys two of them were freshmen but I said we sent out NCAA what is it NBA evaluation uh, uh, Undergraduate eligibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm getting it wrong. Undergraduate <laughs> evaluation form. We sent that out on four people. Got it. And of those four, only one of them left. So I do that all the time. Got it. Got it. You mentioned Cole, and, and from being around him and coaching him, what is it about his game that you think will translate well to the NBA? I think, first of all, his love for the game. He loves to work out basketball is what he loves and i mean loves capitalizing every single one of those letters he's uh, uh he's going to blow people away and in his individual workouts and and his commitment to the game and his commitment to being a better player and his commitment to make that his uh, uh vocation is been there where very few people have ever had it now th- this pandemic has obviously impacted uh, the game significantly and, and the world significantly. But uh, but on the short term, uh, from a college basketball standpoint, what's what's your primary concern on the impact it's going to have uh, on the sport? I don't know if I'm intelligent enough to say what it's going to be on the sport. I know with me, usually when we, we lose, I'm out the next day or two days later. I go recruiting and feel like, okay, I got my tail beat. At least I can try to see if I can outwork somebody as a head coach. So I'm going to go out and out and out. Uh, you know, I think that uh, uh, we'll have to wait and see because we don't know. The, the virus is the unknown. Everybody's hoping that, okay, next week it'll get better. Well, after the next week may be worse. Right. You know, so we don't know what it's going to do. Is this going to be over with uh, by Easter? 
Probably not. It could be worse by then. Okay, is it going to be over with by May 15th? We don't have any idea. So, you know, I think a lot of the, I know my calendar for March, April, May, and June, I've already eliminated so many of the commitments that I had down. And one of those things is, uh, you know, we had down that I would be recruiting between now and April 15th. And they said, no, you're not going to recruit until April 15th. Well, I'm not going to be shocked at all if they come back and say, okay, we're going to extend that. You're not going to be recruiting this entire spring. So it's going to change our sport. Uh, but it's hard to say how because we don't know what the final result is going to be. Are we going to have any spring recruiting? If not, are we going to have any summer recruiting? Because, you know, I mean, again, they're already talking about, if I'm not mistaken, somebody told me this, I think I, they're already talking about about uh, canceling the U.S. Open. That's in June. Right. You know, so there's so many things up in the air, Evan. I'm not trying to dodge your, no, your, I know your question. It's just that everything is up in the air right now i am fully ready motivated to leave april 16th and recruit my tail off for every how many days we have left in the recruiting period and on april 14th that could be changed and that's well i guess i'm not going to do that <laughs> uh so it, it changes it's it changes daily. Those numbers keep going up and up and up. And, right. Uh, you know, so it's just scary, and then nobody knows what they're going to be doing. I just know if they allow me to uh, go recruit, I'm going to be ready. Right. If they don't, then I'm going to have a secondary plan. But I'm going to be ready to go when they allow me to go. Coach from and recruiting has obviously been my specialty for a long time, and and I've I've watch you and how you recruit and it, it seems like you really prioritize in-person evaluations character family H how are you handling and going to adapt recruiting with the mandated dead period and probably the elimination of the april live period do you have to change how you do some things yeah because i hate the telephone <laughs> i mean i despise it I, if you tell me okay won't you call a kid and talk to him for 30 minutes tonight and then you'll be done or coach we need you to drive to the airport for 30 minutes and fly somewhere for an hour and a half and then drive for 30 minutes and then see the kid work out for an hour and a half and then drive the 30 minutes back and then fly the hour and a half back and then drive the 30 minutes back from the airport i'll take the second one i'd rather much rather go see somebody in person and evan not that you should be watching me at any time but when i go in the gym i go in to watch the game right i don't i don't stand around in a group of guys laughing and joking and a lot of times because of my back i go to the back row unless it's 50 rows up and <laughs> i don't want to do that but i get where i can watch the games and that's probably we don't know for sure but that's probably i know it's going to change between now and april 15th it already has because i haven't been out and there's i think as you said there could be a great chance to shut everything down i hope not because that'll mean that our country is in better shape i'm not saying i hope not so i can go recruiting because right. this thing is scary so i hope that it's opened up back then by uh, because that our country is in better shape than it is right now. Would you be in favor of maybe adding, um, if if we're out, up back and running and adding another live period in July or even in August, um, if if assuming we miss the April periods, because you guys are going to need to see these guys at some point. Well, if there are, if if the events can, if they can add events, I'd, yes, definitely. 
And, uh, I mean, you know, I remember when there were no dead period time, when I first started as an assistant coach, you could be gone the whole year. And then I remember when I first became a head coach, it started, I think I'm right on this June 15th and you could be out until August 1st. There were no dead periods. You could be gone the whole time. So I loved what we had done in the past of having those three weekends, five-day weekends, I should say, right. in July. And it never bothered me. I thought we got a lot done. I'm not convinced at all that we got as much done. Well, I am convinced. I know I didn't get as much done last year uh, as we had done before. Some people don't like to go out, and uh, that doesn't bother me. I like to go out and see guys face-to-face. Yeah, no, I I agree with everything you just said on the the, the live periods, you, you, Coach. You got more than thirty years of head coaching experience. You've seemingly seen it all. Uh, yet this season was unique by comparison. W- was there anything that you experienced this season that will impact or change how you coach uh, your teams moving forward? You know, it's funny. Everybody says this will be good for you. I haven't figured out how to crap this. <laughs> for me Uh, we got our tails beat 19 different times so it's uh, I don't know that I'd say that was good for me Uh, you look at everything you you know instead of watching the tape once you watch it twice or if you watched it twice before now you watch it three times you know and I think it's uh, uh, I don't know that it's that important because you get diminishing returns the longer more times you look at it anyway but um, from the standpoint of uh, making me more hungry or making me mad or whatever, uh, how you want to describe it. Uh, I'm anxious to get back to work. I'm anxious to get back out on the court. I'm anxious to have my team play against somebody else's team and uh, to see if I've gotten dumber that quick or what it was because this was a hard year. Uh, and it's I've never been a good sleeper. I slept worse this year than I ever have. I've uh, I lost 15 pounds during the season. I've never been on a diet in my life. You know, so there were a lot of things. But, you know, we had a, re- a very inexperienced team. If you look at it, Garrison was the only guy that we had that had ever been in major moments. You know, Leakey was out 18 games. Um, uh, Andrew Playtech didn't play that much. B-Rob didn't play that much. So all of a sudden, everybody else is new. And uh, Justin and Christian were uh, grad transfers, but they had played at a much different level. And so we had a very inexperienced team in majority of ways. I think the most games we'd ever missed by scholarship players in North Carolina was like 63 or 64. And somebody said we got to 100. Oh, wow. So we had more, more injuries than I've ever had a team with. And I did a poor job of getting my guys to play to their potential. That was my goal every year is getting the player individually to play close to his potential and getting our team to play as close to their potential. Uh, most people would say our three best players were B-Rob, uh, Cole, and Garrison. And I think, and I'll emphasize the word think, this is a number I got from somebody else. I didn't check it. But I think they played 11 games together out of 33 or whatever it was we played. And so we had all those problems. But, yes, we did not play well. Roy Williams did not coach well. We left the huddle one time, and they were out on the court, and the ball was coming out. I said, God, I might have forgot to remind them to foul when we were up three. We had gone over it the day before, but I did not remind them. And the kid made a three and sent it to overtime. We lose. We played Duke. I remembered. I reminded them. We fouled, <laughs> and that didn't work either. <laughs> so it was it was that kind of year. But uh, we didn't play as well as we wanted to play. And when I say we, I mean the kids and also, and I say it just easily as I just didn't coach as well. 
you, you know, the good thing is, is you've got some reinforcements on the way. And, uh, mm-hmm. I think this is one of the better recruiting classes that, that, uh, that you've put together. Where do you think it stacks up and how do you feel about, uh, this freshman group that you have coming in next year? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's a good class. There's no question. It's, uh, Doc Allen, 100 years ago, they'd ask him what he thought about his freshman. He said, ask me a lot later. You know, he was talking about 10 or 20 years. I say, ask me at the end of their sophomore year, and then I'll have a lot of answers for you. But we've, we have had some great classes. I mean, the best recruiting class I've ever had uh, was at Kansas one year. I got Nick Collison, Drew Gooden, and Kirk Heinrich there, the only three people we were all on campus. We got all three of them. Okay, so that's the best, and they all three played at least twelve years in the NBA, and we went to two Final Fours. Right. Uh, but in North Carolina, one year we got Ty, who's probably the best point guard, Wayne, probably the best big guard, and Brandon Wright, probably the best power forward. Uh, we got Tyler Hansbrough, Bobby Fraser, Marcus Ginyard. So we've had some really, really good classes, and yet one class I think somebody maybe the most people. Uh, the class that came in was ranked as the best recruiting class in the country, and that was uh, Dexter Strickland, Leslie McDonald, uh, John Henson, David, and Travis Ware. Uh, well, two of those guys left after one year. Right. Dexter tore his ACL, uh, Leslie tore his ACL, and John's still playing in the NBA. So it's hard to rank, but I, to answer your question easier, yes, I do like the class. Uh, I wish we had one more. Uh, scholarship uh, because I think we could have really made it even much, much better if we had one more scholarship, but we didn't. But I do like the class and we'll have to see. We've uh, we've got to add, uh, everybody's got to become better shooters because I've never had a team that shot the ball as poorly as this year's team and I don't want to go through that anymore. So does that mean you're done with this class? Uh, who knows? Got it. You know, if all of a sudden, if I get up tomorrow morning and they said eight of your players entered the transfer portal, then I mean, <laughs> but right now we have no scholarships. Available. Got it. Well, last question for you. You've coached some terrific point guards in your career. And uh, even in the last couple of years, you know, two years ago, was Kobe White was, was awesome. Cole Anthony this year had some strong moments. I happen to be a big fan of Caleb Love and he had a tremendous senior season. Uh, he seems kind of like the next guy to, to, to carry on the, the, the torch at, at North Carolina at the point guard spot? I hope so, because we, we need somebody like that. You know, I feel sorry for Cole because missing those 11 games in the middle, and, you know, those that, that really hurt him. Yeah. And, you know, because it's – I don't care what you say. He was still a freshman, and, and missing those 11 games, and as I said, with Garrison and B-Rob, not in and not Garrison, but with B-Rob and Cole out as much, I think that hurt our team, and it hurt Cole himself. Uh, but again, yeah, I think Caleb, uh, uh, you know, he was in the final four, I think it was when they stopped play there. And he had some great, great games. Uh, uh, I went out and saw him a couple of times and I mean, he, he has a whole package. He's a tremendous athlete and he hadn't gotten a chance to strictly play the point guard as much as, uh, uh, I wanted him to, probably maybe even as he wanted to, because he was so versatile and had some other guys on his high school team that could play. But he had a tremendous high school program, a tremendous high school coach, and uh, I'm hoping that he'll be able to come in. And if he could come in and do as well as those other two guys, uh, uh, that'd be good. And then RJ, RJ can handle the ball or he can play off the ball too. So both those guys, I think, will really help us in the backcourt. Well, Coach, I uh, I really appreciate you taking out the time and uh, and chatting with me for a little bit.
All right, you just heard Evan Daniels talking with Roy Williams, head coach of the University of North Carolina basketball team, coming off perhaps one of the most interesting seasons in recent memory at North Carolina. We're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we're going to hear from the Inside Carolina podcast, where they will break down this conversation from the insider perspective. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back, of course, Inside Carolina special podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Now I bring in Greg Barnes. Greg, listening to that interview, um, Evan asked plenty of questions about recruiting, but the overarching thing I, I sort of sense from Coach Williams is he is somewhat struggling with the uh, situation where he can't get out and about and go see people and get boots on the ground to do this recruiting thing that he loves to do. You know, I'm reminded of, of the year, I believe 1993, I was a senior at Carolina. Carolina won the national championship. The very next day, Dean Smith was up trying to get Rashid Wallace's commitment right after that. Just won the national championship. Roy Williams in this situation comes off a rough season. He says that. Everybody knows that. And now with the situation with coronavirus and the pandemic and the lockdowns and all that, he can't do a whole lot. And he doesn't uh, fancy me as the type that burns up the social media. I know he says it, and at times I think it may be lip service, but I don't think he's that guy to get all over the social media and to check it and run down the guys. How do you think he's dealing with the situation that we're now in? Well, one thing we know, Tommy, is that Roy Williams is not a Netflix and chill kind of guy. <laughs> and over the years, kind of to your point, what we've seen Roy Williams do, let's say North Carolina loses a noon game on Saturday. What's he do? As soon as he gets done with the team post game, most of the time he's on the road trying to go recruit somebody. That is his outlet. Uh, and we actually wrote a story on that in November, December, when some of these losses started to pile up for this team. Is that's that's kind of where uh, his motivation is? You know what? We didn't play well enough. I didn't do a good enough job. I've got to get back at it. And the only way you can really do that during the season is by recruiting when you have recruiting availability. And that's what Roy Williams has always done. And that's why he's a Hall of Famer. That's one of the reasons he's one of the best coaches that's ever coached the game is he has that passion and that drive. And I completely believe him when he said, you know, it's almost, almost as if he'd hoped they had uh, you know, moved everything up 18 hours so that North Carolina did not have to close the season with a really bad loss against Syracuse. Because everything would have been framed a little bit different. You know, that, like, I think he said, what, four or five they'd won. Uh, so you at least would have closed the season on a positive note, even though the year hadn't gone uh, according to plan. So th there's no doubt uh, that that he's he's uh, chewing on this probably more than he needs to. But also took from from that interview that 
uh, he does understand the seriousness of the situation that we're facing. And I think that has allowed him, uh, you know, if, if that wasn't the case, he would probably be, you know, just sitting around really stewing on it. Uh, but I think he, he's been able to provide some perspective on kind of what this means. And there, there's bigger things in play here than just basketball. Uh, and I'm sure that that's helped him mitigate some of those uh, frustrations of not being able to get out and recruit and try to attack the problem that, that showed up last year. Yeah. It's uh, I was, uh, I'm not surprised at his tone, but yeah, he understands just like Mac Brown uh, in the earlier in the week press conference on zoom, you know, these guys understand the situation they're in, but that's a fine line that, um, of course, real world comes first and sports are just an outlet, but we can sit back and say that he's still got to work on his team. He's certainly um, on the move, recruiting, making offers and getting out there. And if you're listening to the podcast and for some reason you haven't checked out Sherelle McMillan's work on the website and on the message boards about the latest on the recruiting front, certainly get on there and check it out. If you're not an Inside Carolina premium subscriber, um, you're missing out a lot on that. But, you know, he's got uh, a team to deal with. He said, I believe they had a, a Zoom deal with all 18 guys, and, and you've got guys displaced all over. He talked about the NBA evaluation things. He's got a ton on this plate, but I agree. He He understands the gravity of it, but he also understands, and he also takes that Papa Bear approach in looking out for his guys. Yeah, and one thing that Mac Brown mentioned the other day that I think resonates for all sports, including basketball, is as Roy said, you he, he's such a stickler for academics. And he said, even though you know, kids are not at school right now, they still have you know learning going on, online learning. And as he said, you know, the grades for this semester are every bit as important as last semester, even though this semester is very unique. And one thing, you know, Mac pointed out is pass fail sounds good for a lot of us, but if you're a kid who has to maintain a certain GPA to be eligible for next year, you really have to sit down and do the math and say, okay, yeah, I want to do pass fail, but I really need to make sure I get up, you know, a, a B in this class to bring my grade up just a little bit for that GPA to be uh, you know, effective in terms of eligibility. So those are all the dynamics that come into play. And uh, Mac's got more players, but he also has more coaches and, and more staff to deal with those kind of things. Uh, so so still is a big hurdle for, for Roy Williams. And he's so hands-on with that kind of stuff. He really wants to make sure his players are doing everything that they can uh, to do the best that they can. And so that that kind of you know, uh, rang true to me in, in listening to this this interview of, uh, he really wants the academics to come first. He really is focused on the health of these guys. Uh, Tommy, you, know, you mentioned they're being spread out. He's got players on this team from 10 different states. And so they really are spread out everywhere. And so you do have to make sure that uh, you know, the guys are, are staying healthy. They're able to get their workouts in. They're, they're staying away from, from people. They're following directions uh, of medical you know, uh, experts. And – uh, all those things kind of come into play. So he, yeah, Papa Bear, I think is a, is a fair way to to frame it. But as you mentioned, it, it would be a lot easier if we could say, you know what, this is going to end on June first. 
So between now and June 1st, we have this to do, and then we'll get back to normal. We don't know that. I mean, this could be, we could be done in three weeks. It could be three months. And so what these coaches are having to do is continue to prepare, continue to get things in line as if things will be back to normal very soon, but also have the understanding that this may not be like that. And this may be a situation where we're talking, this is going to be extended in the, in the summer months. Uh, and so it, it really is kind of a juggling act, trying to make sure you have all these different uh, situations planned for. Yeah, he uh, he talked about, you know, going up to April 15th, getting ready, getting ready, getting ready. And then on April 14th, it might all change again. I think it probably will. Who knows? But but like you said, it's a, a wait and see. I, I said it on the podcast. I've said it in my real life um, that I've said, I don't know, or I have no idea more than I ever have over the last month or so because of the unknown factor, um, you know, and, and it's, it's not just Roy Williams and Mac Brown. It's all the other sports at Carolina, all the, all the other teachers and professors and schools across the country. It's just the bizarre situation going on. Um, we certainly highlight Mac Brown and Roy Williams cause that's what we do here at inside Carolina, but it, it is a, it is a countrywide deal that's going on, worldwide deal going on. College basketball coaches are just dealing with it just like the rest of us. Greg, something we often do on these podcasts is we sort of talk about the season and part of the autopsy that we usually do on Inside Carolina, Roy Williams is able to do it with his players after the season concludes. I believe he said in that uh interview that he had talked to eight or nine guys personally about their sort of exit interviews uh, you know you've covered them for a long time those interviews have often been a big deal for a couple of reasons one to prepare for next season what you got to do to prepare for next season but also to prepare for life again uh, a bunch of unknowns uh, i mean he said Garrison Brooks is one that's out there working and getting ready for next year and all that stuff. But these guys, it's not just the coaching staff in limbo. It's the players, um, whether they're going pro or graduating or coming back, they're just all in the same boat. Yeah, and that's kind of the, the strange thing with how the season ended is you know, North Carolina plays its final game on Wednesday. Everything's shut down pretty much the next day. Uh, and so you, you expect to have the guys, as Roy said, you expect to have the guys uh, on campus so that they can meet with Jonas for their uh, conditioning workouts. They've got the locker room. They've got the gym. Everything they need is right there. And so you're not as concerned. It's not like they're leaving for spring break or for summer break, right, where you're not maybe not going to see them for four weeks. You're going to have them right there. Yes, there's spring break going on, but that was during ACC tournament anyway. So it's not like they had a lot of time to uh, go somewhere. But because everything happened so fast, now all of a sudden they're not around. And you, know, Roy, did say they were able to have you. Know, I guess about half the half the interviews they were able to get taken care of. And he did get to see some of the guys because they opened up campus. So you know, Brandon Robinson was able to come back and pick up his stuff and and those kind of things. Uh, but because everything was such a compressed schedule, a lot of the things that kind of naturally happen over a period of days, you weren't able to do it. And so you have to kind of redirect and say, okay, how do we reschedule all, all of this? Is everything over 
Zoom. I mean, right? I mean, Zoom stock has to be through the roof at this point in time. But is that the only way to manage these things? You, we were able to talk with Mac Brown about uh, strength and conditioning guys being able to do these Zoom meetings with players, both with weights and without weights, because some players don't have access to weights. And so those are all the challenges that you have. Uh, but yeah, I mean, typically it's not long after the season's over, uh, Roy gets them in and he gives them three things. These are the three things that the staff believes you need to really work on for next year. I mean, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that last spring where they tell Garrison Brooks, you need to work on your offensive game. You need to work on being a better leader. You need to keep working on your defense. And I think we can all say that Garrison uh, took those three tasks to, to, to the summer workouts, and uh, he did a great job with it. Other, other players, not so much. That, that's kind of the purpose is to give you motivation to work in the, in the summer. So uh, all of these things kind of happen in a natural course of, of time. And because this has happened where everybody's you're not allowed to be on campus and, and get close to anybody, it really changes how you have those conversations. So uh, it's just something everybody has to work through. And I think for the coaches, it's more of an issue of making sure the players feel supported, uh, making sure they have everything they need and getting them set up so they can do some of these things, whether it's workouts, whether it's uh, these meetings, whether it's academics, all those things come first. Yeah, and it's, uh, we said it on the football side, and you sort of mentioned it there, and we mentioned it with Garrison Brooks. So you'll find out which players had the self-drive in, right. the, in the next months, um, and, and both academically and uh, getting ready for the season. One thing that my teenagers will hear as part of that interview is what we talked about just a second ago is the academics. Uh, these grades count just as much as uh, the normal school grades counted and um, everybody needs to hear that. Uh, high school kids on up to college kids and even us, it still matters is what is going on. Um, Greg, how do you see, um, I mean, where do we go from here as far as if this thing is shut down to, say, mid-June? We've already talked about the football season um, and the unknown, but at what point do we start discussing ball sports do you think and not necessarily basketball or football but just in general i mean at some point decisions have to be made the olympics are gone they were in what august um any idea i mean any thought on how the ncaa should remotely handle it well i think ncaa is going to have to take a step back here and they're going to have to uh, really rely on what the professional sports teams do the last thing you want is when we're dealing with with amateur athletes is for the NCAA say, all right, we're, we're back in business in the NBA and NFL and all these other programs are like, nah, nah, we're, we're, we're going to wait a little bit longer. And so I really think they're going to have to wait. And it, the, I don't know if it's a good thing, but I guess it's a, a, a good thing for, for basketball is you can you can do a lot of practice work basketball wise by yourself if you have access to a to a hoop um, i've got one in my in my driveway that my son can go out and shoot basketball for 30 minutes for an hour a day just to, to get out and burn off some steam um, and you can work on a lot of things that way i think we all did that growing up you know you play games in your head and you accomplish tasks and those types of things football is different right i mean uh, you can't throw the ball to yourself uh, but you can work on kind of the you know, the uh, 
uh, strength and condition aspect of it. So it, it is going to be a, a, a chore. I do think basketball set up better to kind of deal with it, but it, it's really going to be a matter with the NBA having uh, so many players. I don't know the total now, but I mean, what, maybe 10 uh, that have, that have contracted the virus. Uh, I really think they're going to be the the main uh, sports league to watch. And once they get to a point where they feel comfortable uh, getting these players back together for, for workouts and potentially for games, that's going to set everything in motion. Just, I mean, just like how it started, right? I mean, we're sitting there watching Carolina and Syracuse play in Greensboro on Wednesday night, and down comes word that the NBA is suspending the season. And things rapidly changed across the sports landscape after that. And I think we're going to see something very similar is that once one of these leagues feels comfortable enough uh, to, to say, okay, let's, let's get back to it. You'll start to see all these other leagues and associations kind of get back in line. Yeah. Somebody will have to take the leap at some point to get it started, but I agree that it'll, it'll come and they'll all circle back fairly quickly when it is. I don't know, but I think within a few days, everybody, whenever that decision is made, everybody will join in and get it rolling back. Many thanks to Evan Daniels, Coach Williams for the interview. Many thanks to Greg Barnes, as always, for taking a second to chat with me. Greg, it's always a pleasure, my friend. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode of the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. If you like what you've been hearing the past few weeks, do us a huge favor. Hit us up with a subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're in Apple Podcasts, swing us a five-star rating and review. That would be really, really cool. For Evan Daniels, for the Inside Carolina Podcast, and of course, for Roy Williams, I'm Tony Levitt, and this is the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.